I would say the bypass is the boogeyman. Yes. It is the boogeyman. It is the absolute of boogeyman. Southern Ohio, and it's going to suck the soul away from the town. I'm just taking that position. I don't care what anyone says. The bypass is the boogeyman. Hey guys, you're listening to Glock and Doc Audio Encounter. My name is Sadie Patchen, and I'm sitting here with Dale King and Tim Glockner. Good morning, fellas. Good morning, Sadie. Good morning, Sadie. Good morning. I'm actually glad to see you. You've been gone for like a month gallivanting. I think you have me mistaken the... with our, oh, buddy, that's true. our buddy Tim. Yeah. Tim, thank you for making time for the podcast. Well, it's in good between to be here. Your, it's good to be back. Your that's summer right. vacations. The three best friends are all, the three amigos are back. Okay, you guys, I've been the one working. In case the viewers would like to know, who's doing the heavy lifting? Who's doing the heavy lifting? But let's not forget about the staycation a week ago. No, well, yes, <laughs> the daddy. But duties. however, negative. Uh, we digress. Anyway, we have a very special guest with us this morning, a Mr. Jason Kester, Executive Director of Southern Ohio Port Authority, otherwise known as SOPA. So- Right? How are you this morning? We're excited to be here. Boom! Thank you for joining us this morning. It's our first interview. Ooh. First guest. Dun, dun, dun. We're not see how it goes. counting Joe Glockner as a guest. <laughs> he was more like... But his name's in the title, that doesn't... Yeah. I'm looking at the door, and he was just sitting in front of the door like a little puppy, just wanting to come in. <laughs> okay, come on in, so, Joe. Joe's not the first guest. You <laughs> are the, the first guest. official first guest. Okay, so the real reason why... We asked you here this morning um, is because we've had some questions from our viewers coming into our email, and I know this whole town has has been wondering, what will the Portsmouth Bypass... Southern Ohio Veterans Memorial Highway. Correct. Do... It's not a bypass because it actually goes through Portsmouth, so that's... Right. It actually goes right through Scioteville. So it actually goes through the city of Portsmouth. So Jason, let's not confuse listeners with facts. <laughs> I'm just saying. Right. So that's a good That's a good point. Normally bypasses have to bypass a town. This one actually right. goes through it. Because that is, I live in Lucasville, and I was brought to this town because my husband formerly worked for Beaver Excavating yep. as um, a, an assistant project manager out there. So we've heard it all, and I'm sure you guys have heard it all. But the question that was brought to our attention was um, from a viewer, like I said, and it reads, I could probably pick your brains forever, but I'd like to start with maybe getting your opinion on a podcast about the upcoming bypass. Once again, bypass. I hear opinions from one end of the spectrum to the other, but I haven't really heard any opinions from people as invested in Portsmouth as you two. Seeing as you both have a brick-and-mortar business in Portsmouth, I'd love to get your opinion on how or if it will affect business in Portsmouth. Seeing that your businesses are completely different, I would imagine it will affect them differently, if at all. Thanks again for doing this podcast. I look forward to hearing more. I just want to say, for the next hour, however long we'll be here, you're not going to change my mind. 
it's yeah. the boogeyman and everything's going to hell in a hat basket because this that's what that's what everyone says about everything in Portsmouth. My <laughs> job. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so so as the as the development director for the community, I so I've I've had I've had four or five different jobs, but I would say working here in Portsmouth doing development has been the most interesting just because people's comments. I I don't understand. Seems like everything that happens, we build a new factory, wow, that's that's going to pollute the air. We build a new highway. Ah, that's going to kill the town. It's like I, it's just this like negative perception of everything. So I, that's why I said that. It seems like everything that happens, if it's not build a steel mill and revert to 1968, it's it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, but no, I, I think in terms of the, in terms of the highway, I, I hear that a lot too. I, I hear that you know it's going to kill the town. It's going to do this. It's going to do that. And then um, I like to ask a couple questions when people start talking that way. I ask them first, well. What businesses in Portsmouth are reliant upon highway traffic? Reliant upon, you know, somebody just driving through and stopping. Mm -hmm. Um, McDonald's. Yes. Yes. We've identified that uh, fast food restaurants and gas stations are going to be seriously adversely affected um, by, you know, lack of traffic, if there will be any lack of traffic. we haven't really identified anything else. Um, you know, you think of your local downtown businesses, as I've sent these guys in an email. You know, nobody's driving down, at least I've never driven down the highway and went, man, I need a hammer. So I swing into Vandervoort's and pick up a hammer. <laughs> you know, I haven't been I haven't been in Missouri and just be like, crap, I need to make a deposit and just swing into the local community bank to open an account and throw some money down or, you know, buy flowers for my wife somewhere, you know, Route 66 somewhere. But... Um, you know, it's, it's sort of like, it, it, it's just, you know, if you think about it, those are good points, you know, yeah. you, those are just things you just, you don't, you don't do. Um, well, I mean, if this does increase the cost of my value meal from Long John Silver's, you're going to um, be pissed. <laughs> I will get a pitchfork. What? Well, I, I, yeah. I someone's going to pay. Someone will pay if my chicken strip and hush puppies go up for, Go up for <laughs> go up platform. from four ninety nine to five eighty seven. Cool. There will be rides in the streets. Well, the other the other one the other thing we have to look at is how many cars a day are actually going to drive on the Southern Highway Vets Memorial Highway, the Somva. Um, basically, right now the Can, before we go there, let, yeah. For and I know it's kind of hard for <clears throat> listeners to kind of get this, but let's just go through where that highway. Is going to be, yep. And, and and what the what the philosophy is behind why the highway is getting uh, getting built in the whole deal before we talk about the actual traffic, just so everybody kind of understands. Yeah. So, so it's going to come off at twenty three, right by the fairgrounds. Uh, if you're familiar with Lucasville Minford Road, basically running parallel to Lucasville Minford Road to the north. About the time you get to the great metropolis of Minford, my hometown, the mighty Minford Falcons, uh, it's going to cut kind of diagonal. Uh, from Lucasville Minford Road over to the airport, went right down to the middle of Ken Race's farm. He was very excited about that. A couple million dollars in litigation later, they built him a path for his cows, which is all he ever wanted. That took 20 years, uh, literally. He's a very nice man. All he, wa- <laughs> he is. All he wanted was a path for his cows. And you should see this path. It's, it's the greatest it's path beautiful. you've ever seen. If you're, if, you're out on, if you're out just for a Sunday drive, drive down 139, check out the giant like overpass we now have for cows. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty sweet. But that, yes. It took a couple million dollars of litigation costs to get that. So it didn't make yeah, Lawyers got to get paid, too. Yeah, I was going to say, kept, kept one attorney firm here in Portsmouth employed for a decade. But... Um, 
No, so cuts across through Ken Race's farm and pops out by the airport and then basically follows 335 from Minford to Wheelersburg. So basically it's Lucasville, Minford to Wheelersburg. So basically 335 to Lucasville, Minford Road uh, is its current path. Two exits. Uh, one exit will be Lucasville, Minford Road, sort of by Races Mountain. Um, you know, that was a big help to us out in Minford having our most affluent subdivision. Now has an interstate ac you know, access point there. It made everybody really excited. And then at the uh, airport, um, which is actually a good location, we were, mm -hmm. that's, that's the place we're actually excited about it. And then it'll pop out on 52 and 23 on the north and south ends. Awesome. So basically just cuts the whole L off from 23 to 52. Yeah, you know, some people have, you know, basically, you know, you can also kind of think about, some people have said, well, kind of almost you can make a circle now around because that kind of is your your north and east side and mm -hmm. you can come down 104 and down 23 through Kentucky and be your south, you know, mm -hmm. your south and west side. So, um, but yeah, it kind of flips the L instead of coming south and then east, you go mm -hmm. east and then south. Very cool. Yeah. So the amount of traffic, what's, what's the estimated traffic that? So most of the traffic, so if you look at the traffic count numbers, the projected traffic count numbers between Minford and Berg, you're going to have about 14,000 cars a day. And between Minford and Lucasville, you're going to have about 9,000 cars a day. Um, current traffic, that's basically the current traffic count on 335 and Lucasville-Minford Road plus 5,000 trucks. So that's that. That's the most confused thing about the bypass is Portsmouth's not really on, on it's sort of like Radiator Springs in the Cars movie. It's not really on the way to anything currently. I mean, it, right. it's not like in Radiator Springs, you know, the, the highway went past and it killed the town. Well, we're not really, nobody was ever coming through Portsmouth anyway. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, you know, you can, you can look and play some different combos of things, trying to figure out like places where Portsmouth's on the way through on Google Maps. Um, basically, you have to be sort of within an hour or so north of Columbus, um, down through roughly the, you know, kind of Ohio, Kentucky, Tennessee corridor over into North Carolina. Um, that's about the only place you're passing through Portsmouth, but it's just, it's not a lot of cars. Right. Um, there will be 5,000 trucks a day on the highway, but that's a good thing because that's getting mm -hmm. them out of the city of Portsmouth and I haven't heard anyone complain about that. Mm -hmm. So you, you take 5,000 off that, off those numbers, you're looking at about 9,000 cars a day between, um, Minford and Berg and about... You know, four or five thousand between Minford and Lucasville, and one estimate I saw currently is there's somewhere between five and eight thousand cars a day currently on 335 between Minford and Wheelersburg. So it's just it's a lot of it's just people living in Minford going to Wheelersburg to work and back mm -hmm. is going to be a big you know proponent you know component of the, of the highway. Um, there will be a loss. I mean, it's been projected anywhere between, you know, somewhere around 2,500 cars a day will not be traveling through Portsmouth. So what is the impact of those 2,500 right. cars right. on the community is what we're dealing with. Okay. It, pretty pretty it, insignificant, really. I don't know. I mean... It's hard to measure, though. You probably have more drive-up traffic. I mean, I don't think... I don't think there's a lot of drive-up traffic at the gym. There may be, there's probably, there's, you know, car counts in front of Glockner's, eyes on Glockner's. But even, I'm guessing if you went back and looked at your records, most of your people buying at Glockner's are local homies. Right. Well, I mean, the, our Honda Toyota store gets bypassed, that has for decades. Because people in the region, they go up and over 139 over the hill. So, and they do go the backside, or past the backside of our Chevrolet store. But people just don't, they're not driving through. 
and decide they're going to stop and spend $35,000 anymore either. And 90 some percent of our customers shop online. That's how they narrow their search. And so we're not concerned about this at all. And actually so far, the, the veteran rural highway has been beneficial for us because I was counting the other day, like we have at least, and they're going to shoot me if I don't remember exactly every single person. We, I know we have at least five people who've joined the gym who are outside of the area working on the project who now uh, call our gym their home. Yeah. So that's actually brought us yeah. a, a pretty good amount of revenue that would have otherwise been missing. Now, granted, they're not going to be here their entire life, but, you know, a member for two to three years that was non-existent has definitely been been beneficial for us. Well, yeah, you know, I, I think I talk a lot about shoemakers at Menford. I make jokes, tell them hopefully they're cashing their, you know, Deposit on the checks because they got the service contract for every truck for Beaver for PJV for everybody. So they're doing you know oil changes out now. That'll go away, right? But that's a good right. make that nest egg. And then I think they're going to continue having the contract with PJV for the maintenance afterwards. So that's mm -hmm. you know some new business there. But um, yeah, the impact of those twenty five hundred cars. What's that going to be? You know, the first thing we really looked at was the flood walls and down Second Street tourism. But what we found is um, a lot of people coming to the flood walls and Second Street are destination based. So mm -hmm. they're coming to town to for that specific that specific thing. Um, so that's not really going to be impacted. <clears throat> what we're hoping is that um, there are some locations that we've kind of mapped out and got some guesses on that once you get the new highway and it's 65 all the way around, um, it may change how Google Maps and MapQuest look at things. So it may actually bring more traffic into the community as a whole. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really what we're hoping to be one of the things. That and it's opening up to some additional sites for development in the Minford and Lucasville <clears throat> and Wheelersburg areas. And, and the majority of comments or, I guess, negative feedback, has that came from business owners themselves? I've got one. And it's one of the one of the fast food companies is like you know we may consolidate from a couple locations down to one or have one in Portsmouth and one on the highway once we see traffic counts. Mm -hmm. um, now I've been contacted by five or six commercial real estate firms out of Columbus and out of Kentucky, Cincinnati area to come take a look at us, and they're not really that interested in you know. All of them are trying to scout out locations along the bypass for that retail commercial development. Those you know gas station development, that mm -hmm. hotel development, you know, those mm -hmm. sorts of things, specifically in the Wheelersburg and Minford, or Wheelersburg, the Lucasville and Minford area, because Wheelersburg's kind of already you know, got some development of that way, so there's more opportunities. Um, you know, a lot of folks also seem to be somewhat confused with the fact that, you know, if we build a new factory in Minford, um, that that's going to hurt Portsmouth. And it's just, you know, it's not, just, just, just like the steel mill in New Boston helped Minford, to, you know. right. So, but why can't we, why couldn't that factory be built in Portsmouth? Um, we don't have anywhere to put anything in Portsmouth. So, um, you know, it's nothing, nothing personal, but just our forefathers when, you know, if you look at Saturday County, we have, we have poor topography. We have lots of floodplain, lots of clay, lots of hills, lots of floodplain, lots of floodplain. <laughs> um, and uh, we have really deficient infrastructure. Um, you look at the Wheelersburg sewer treatment plant has never been upgraded since it was built in the 60s. Not once. Not one really significant upgrade. Um, so to build a factory, you know, it's the same stuff you want to have in your house. You want to have gas, water, sewer, electric, fiber optic. Well, but to build a factory, you've got to have industrial capacities of those things. 
Um, yeah, we don't have any of those sites in Portsmouth. Um, we don't really have a lot of those sites in uh, in Southern Ohio. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why we don't have factories, why we don't have jobs here. Um, you know, you look at you look at our forefathers, they took our industrialized site, the steel mill, and redeveloped it into retail. Not once, not twice, but three times. We got Kmart, Walmart, Walmart again. Well, those thousand acres were the only place we could we really had to build factories that had the infrastructure. So um, one of the good things about the new highway is it's opened up some area in Minford that uh, has four out of the five there at the airport and doesn't have natural gas, but it has industrial capacities of the other four key utilities. And then you look at uh, Lucasville, the former M&J uh, facility was completely abandoned and now it's completely full. So that's pretty exciting. So just trying to open up those other places, but it's just lack of development of infrastructure that's really held held So back. can I just blame everything on Walmart? Because I would just like to do that. Well, I, they, at least they invested in our community, right? So that's that's something. Um, they, they put a bunch of money in and invested in the community, so that, that's something. But uh, and this was all, what, 90s? <clears throat> when was that? First Walmart was probably... I was in junior high, so maybe like late 80s, early 90s was the first Walmart. Mm -hmm. um, second Walmart was early 2000s-ish. So, yeah, and I mean, and, it, and that's fine. I mean, it's not like there are a lot of people jumping up and down to go reclaim brownfield sites, but at least it's a site. Right. And that's what we don't have now. In Portsmouth, the only site we currently have to build a factory, we have about 20 acres uh, at the former Dayton Walter site, the McGovney Dock site, but again, mm -hmm. it's a former factory, it's brownfield, needs some pretty significant cleanup. Mm -hmm. um, and then how many people want us to build a big giant factory right next to the residential homes and whatnot in the East right. End? Which and there's a giant nursing home down there that's a completely <clears throat> non-compatible use. So, so basically, you know, you have to look at these things from it's you know it's easy to it's easy to be that negative person who the sky's falling in and nothing's ever going to change and unless um, a steel mill and selfie shoes comes back, Portsmouth is just doomed to hell. But in order, you have to be able to look at things from the business that factory standpoint of if you know if I'm in a position to where luckily I need to build a factory somewhere that somewhere being anywhere in Ohio where and why would I build it here yes yeah, so you need to have either five acre tracks or 50 acre tracks and um, we just don't have a lot of those in Portsmouth a lot of people talk about oh the drug problem so I've been in this job for four years I've never once had the drug issue that just doesn't come up like like everybody has a drug problem. I know everybody thinks that we're like the epicenter, mm -hmm. the worst place on the earth, but go to Vermont, go to Kentucky, go to Missouri. They have the exact same problem we do. I know mm -hmm. it's an insulated view that we're the only people with that problem. It just never comes up. It's the lack of buildings and lack of sites is why we don't have development. So with with the the highway being put in, how does that enable us to now I'm, I'm that ABC factory, yep. and with that highway being there, what's the benefits now that I can look at Sayota County? Now, you know, obviously not within the, the confines of the city limits. Yeah, so, you know, you look at, um, we're getting ready to, on Thursday, uh, we'll have, uh, we're entering into an agreement with a company to build a 120,000 square foot building at the airport. It's going to employ 100 people, about $40,000 a year uh, jobs. Um, that's really what we're striving for. We're not really looking for those big, I mean, it would be great to hit a thousand or 
person employee, you know, car factory. But the problem with that is you come dependent on that one factory, it goes out of business, you're your hose. Yeah. So you need more of those 50 you don't have to any economic diversification. And right. You need that diversification. So 100 employees at $40,000, $50,000 a year is just perfectly right in our wheelhouse. And um, so what they're going to do is take about five acres at the airport um, and uh, build a new building, hopefully have it up by next year, put some people to work uh, supplying the military actually, um, and uh, be pretty awesome. That's very cool. Yeah. And there's nowhere else really to put that. There's nowhere else to put a five acre piece. There, we have one five-acre lot in New Boston, and other than that, there's nowhere else to put something like that in Scioto County, city, village, et cetera. So without that highway, we wouldn't have got that project. So it's not the boogeyman? <laughs> I said Don't in the beginning. Don't your mind now. You're not convinced yet, I said, surely. no, no. We, I need more. I need more. <laughs> so the other the other one just went out in a press release this morning, so we'll write breaking news here on the, on the, on the Glock and Doc podcast, but... Um, million dollar new facility uh we're doing the groundbreaking next thursday in haverhill and uh it's going to be 40 or 50 jobs um it's going to be commercializing procter and gamble technology so procter and gamble's investing you know basically a subsidiary of procter and gamble's investing 120 million dollars in southern ohio and uh, they actually put in their press release the, the ability to uh get north towards Columbus um, quicker on the highway was actually one of their determining factors of why they selected the area. Wow. So. Still the boogeyman, though. So Still nothing? Yeah. Still nothing. Still not moving the needle. <clears throat> so, and what, did, are you allowed to, what's the name of that facility or what? Uh, it's Pure Cycle, Pure Cycle LLC. And uh, we'll have about 40 jobs to start off with. We're hoping to grow from there. And um, But, yeah, it's going right in Haverhill. The Port Authority is issuing bonds for the project. And uh, groundbreaking next week, next Thursday at 1030. It would be interesting to see how, why, what forces would bring them to Southern Ohio. So, yeah, so, so one of the things we do, we do. Tim, Tim's being awful quiet. Yeah. The Glockners had, had a part in that project. But, uh, oh. oh. Yeah, there you go. But, well. but one of the other. Oh, well. <laughs> to be to be true, one of the other things, though, too, is uh, with Procter & Gamble, this is going to sound kind of funny, it's it's far enough away that if something bad happens, it's not Cincinnati, but it's close enough where they can come visit. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and then, you, and then you think about Haverhill. It's got you know we've, it's going on the side of the former Dow sites. So, so we had uh, we had Dow Dow Chemicals just went out of business up there. So there's existing buildings, there's existing infrastructure and stuff like that. That'll mm-hmm. help them. Very cool. Yeah. So Tim, do you have? Uh... Well, yeah, we were early in uh, Pat. And still are passive investors in this thing, but uh, my dad's been really involved, and he he works closely with Jason, and um, he wants to give back to the community in any way he can. I yep. think it's safe to say, and, and uh, the goal is to to build nine of these plants across the country. That is correct. Eventually, wow. and he said that he would be a an early investor if if they can ensure that they build the first one here in Saiba County. Wow, that's incredible, man. That's great. Yeah. Um, so what we're gonna get back to? You get the highway still the boogeyman. I'm still. Well, that's back back on you know the guys that are building the uh, facility in Minford, their their financial and funding is coming from Turkey and Germany. But the guy who actually started the the, the uh, company is another Scioto County native. Grew up 
went to Webster, his family went to Webster, went to Berg, uh, grew up in Siderville, and uh, he wants to reinvest in the communities while, while that facility is going out there. So it's wow. just, that's one thing, that's one thing everybody from Southern Ohio, you know, everybody really, I think, is passionate and wants to give back. We, you know what I mean? If you're from here, you want to, you know, kind of come back and try to make the area better, and that, that's, that's been a big help with both of those projects. Well, I think if you, if you would look at it, you know, from people our age, um, it's just one of those socioeconomic, almost cultural, tribal things. When we were growing up, it we were kind of right at the at the tail end of the heyday. You know what I mean? So we we the the stories our parents would tell us were fresh because they lived it, and they would always have those those good memories of when it. Um, when there was economic development and it was, you know, quote unquote, good times. But for us, we grew up, you know, we're talking eighties, nineties, early two thousands. When it, when it was, you talk about tail end. I mean, it, the, it, it was, was a cliff. The acid. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, and I think that's kind of, you know, for guys, not just us, but there's several other guys too, um, who've gone on either through college or other professions or the military, who've gone, been away out of here, and let's just say for vocational training, for lack of a better term. Um, and they, and I think like they have, a, they have a, a passion, for lack of a better term, to come back and be able to turn that around through through various means. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of cool to be able to see those people and how, and the relationships they build to do that. Um, what I, I'd like to, you know, you talked about that other individual growing up um, I'd like to learn more about your background um, and how you got how you got basically to where you're at now, um, and talk more about SOPA and, and the whole deal. So, where are, are you? You from yeah. around here? Or? Yeah. So I'm I'm from, <coughs> I'm from Minford. Uh, went to St. Mary's Church here, where we're broadcasting live from today. Uh, my LinkedIn photo is actually my St. Mary's uh, Church uh, uh, yearbook photo from like 2002. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, but yeah, I'm from here. Uh, my uh, mom's parents, Gimper Lines, uh, had a bunch of stores here in Portsmouth since the dawn of time. They had a store right down the street here, had the little grocery store on the hilltop that my great-great-grandpa opened. So um, family goes way back here in town. Um, then I went off to college. Well, I went off to college, fell in love with a girl. She told me she loved me. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing happened to Tim. <laughs> uh, one and done. I think, I think she was dating a guy at Ponderosa, which would have been a key key fact in my SWOT analysis before I transferred schools. Um, ended up back at Shawnee after some drinking and some drunkenness for a while. Uh, I may have been enrolled at Rocky Mountain Community College for a while. I was a, was a ski lift operator. It was a good time. <laughs> a lifty. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a story for not on the podcast. But, um, but I ended up ended up at Shawnee, graduated from Shawnee, and I went to work for the AmeriCorps, and I helped uh, low-income kids try to get into college. So the kids we worked with, about 96% of them, all Appalachians, all went to college, and about 84% of them graduated with a technical or college degree. And this was like the lowest of low-income people from here all the way to Steubenville. So that was awesome. pretty, that was, pretty awesome. we're, we're, was that headquartered here in Portsmouth? Or? Yeah, it was headquartered out of Shawnee. It was a federal grant program. We, we learned all kinds of good stuff, did all kinds of good stuff. They shut the program down and didn't take away any of the lessons learned. And it's really, really good use of federal funds. Uh, government project all the way. Yeah, amen. 
Um, <laughs> then I, uh, about that time, I went to World Trade Center over for 9-11, and a building fell on me while we were over there. Um, and what were you doing there? So I was a fireman, so I've been on the volunteer fire department at Minford and was on the fire department out at the A-plant for a while. I've uh, been a volunteer fireman at Minford since, what, 97? Yeah, just celebrated my 20th anniversary here a couple weeks ago. Um, and uh, so I got dispatched as part of a regional FEMA disaster response team to go to 9-11. I uh, was over there for about 10 days um, or so-ish, kind of. We went and it came back, people went again, it was kind of confusing, but I was actually in the debris pile though, Thursday, Friday, Saturday after 9-11. Wow. Um, so Friday, Thursday the building fell, I, I, I was basically walking and a void kind of fell in. And kind of, I mean, it wasn't, I was only trapped for about 10 minutes, but it was pretty pretty cool. Um, That's a... <laughs> got a good got a good picture with George. 10 minutes, that could seem, trap could seem a lot longer than just... I, I could still see the sky, so it wasn't that bad. Um, got a good picture with George Bush the next day when he was giving his speech at the outside the uh, Burger King there. I was probably like five feet away, so that was pretty wow. cool. Um, came back, decided, uh, well, I don't want to be a fireman anymore. Uh, my dad passed away. I went on that fire. I, just, I had some real bad fire on stuff, so I didn't really want to be a fireman anymore. Went back to school. Uh, ended up in law school, met my wife, got married, became a prosecutor. Uh, did that for a while. That was kind of boring. Um, then I did uh, drug prosecution. So I actually started out here in Franklin, in Sayota County doing uh, drug prosecution uh, here in Sayota County as an intern and went to the drug unit in Franklin County and then got pretty bored, um, very bored, very, very bored. Really. But uh, then I uh, went to Afghanistan and uh, we had a um, rule of law mission. So what my job was... Were you, was that a guard unit? Yeah. Was Thir- that the engineers here, or was that... 37th Infantry Brigade, Buckeye Brigade, used to be 37th Division out of Columbus. Okay, and you were their JAG officer? I was the senior JAG guy for about half the time. Was that... You said brigade level? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so we had a, we had a rule of law mission, mission, so we went out and helped the Afghan National Border Police and the Afghan Local Police, and uh, it was really like a... The whole brigade was doing JAG work. It was kind of weird. We were supposed to go out and teach them how to uh, develop cases, collect evidence, do walking patrols, how to do proper inspections, you know, take pictures, diagraph. How'd that go? Well, it was good um, for a while. Um, you know, we built a multi-billion-dollar crime lab, and uh, goats. When I flew out, the goats were still in there eating because we turned it into a goat pen. Um, but then, you know, the big like courthouse and. Cr- Crime lab, the big crime lab in Cobble still there, but um, you know I ordered uh, fishing box, you know tackle boxes off Amazon, and we put Polaroid cameras in it and crayons and drawing. Most of the Afghan guys could draw pretty good, so we gave them like drawing pencils and sketches, and so that instead they could take pictures and stuff, which seemed to work better than trying to explain forensic evidence to them. Um, but uh, April fourth, one of our Jags, Sean Hannon, who's from Wellston, was from Wellston, uh, got killed by a suicide bomber, and that was a bad day. And uh, so after that, we had to load him up, fly him on the helicopter, and put him on the plane. And I had to inventory all the stuff, and that was, that was pretty. Yeah, it's a rough. That was a pretty. Rough go. That was a pretty rough day. So I thought, well, we need to do something a little bit more productive with life. Uh, so I started trying to figure out what, what that was going to be, and I went back to the prosecutor's office. And I mean, I had two, uh, two murder-for-hire drug cases. I mean, I had some pretty hardcore stuff, but I was sitting there one day, and we were prosecuting this old boy, and he said, Mr. Prosecutor, I just like doing crack and hookers. I said, well, okay. 
<laughs> well. So we got to talking. <laughs> and this old this old guy was well, a son, uh, <laughs> This guy was a Vietnam vet and uh, he took he disabled purple heart, like legit, not not right. not a not a stolen valor kind of thing. And uh, he just took his disability check the first of the month, bought a $10 rack, you know, rock of crack and a... And a rack. And a, and a $10 <laughs> rack. And, uh, you know, that was just what he did the first of the month. Well, I got to looking at it, and this guy's criminal record, he'd been arrested, I don't know, 20 times. And it was always low-level drug possession. So it was just this old African-American guy from the east side that liked crack and hookers. And um, I figured out we'd spend a couple million dollars prosecuting this guy. I mean, he'd been to inpatient, outpatient, drug treatment, psychiatric, you know, intensive probation, prison, back to prison, community-based corrections. We spent millions of dollars, and this guy just liked doing crack and a hooker and hanging out. So I was like, all right, I got to get a new job. That's a Monday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was, I, had a, I was prosecuting another case where I was prosecuting another case where a confidential informant blew the guy away. He was supposed to be buying drugs off of, and the... Cops kind of forgot to tell us that he was working for them when he did that. So between those two things, I, was, I decided it was time for a new new job. And, uh, you know, the SOPA job came open. So I thought, what's a better way to give back than to go back to, you know, Sean and I's kind of home, you know, neck of the woods and uh, try to do economic development, make the community a better place, which uh, Sean, my, my friend who got killed in Afghanistan, we had talked a lot about, like trying to go back and make the community a better place. Yeah. And so... That's how I ended up here. And, and for you guys, we throw around terms like JAG officer. That's Judge Advocate General. And basically, those are military lawyers. Yeah. Um, so. Got to look at child porn to go out and try to teach Afghans how to. And it's. I, evidence it, and everything in between. It's a, it's a cool. My, uh, a good buddy of mine now, a college friend of mine, he, he's, he's still an active he's a JAG officer. And, and I. Like, what a lot of people don't realize is, you know, you, you, know, you briefly just kind of cover those missions, but. Um, when you're, when you're trying to train third world individuals, for savages for lack of a better term, to uh, where they there is no there is rule of law, but it's you're straight up tribal. Oh yeah, it's tribal law. That's the only thing there. There is no sketches. There is no evidence. There's no. I mean, that's that's a tough that's yeah, a we tough were... gig to a lot of guys. Uh, when I was over the one of the times I was over there. It got more. It, you couldn't just hit targets ad hoc. You'd have to have evidence. Uh, you'd have to have, and all that stuff is where the where the jag officers would would come through. So that's that's no uh, easy task to try to teach local nationals. Yeah, our way of yes, the western the western way of a judge and jury and evidence is they had what's called in, in northern and eastern Afghanistan where I was they had hakuks was the name. It was sort of like the most learned village elder who would it was like a mediator. Mm-hmm. So if I stole if I stole your goat, you know you would. I mean, I one thing they traded a a a fourteen year old boy for a goat. Yeah. So <laughs> that was a damn good goat. That was the resolution of the dispute. Wow. And like a lot of people don't realize, unless you're there in that scenario, like it's tribal honor and. Oh yeah. I mean, it's 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 huge. So, I mean, trying to teach those guys to to <laughs> to understand ju- our system of justice is is almost like teaching me Chinese algebra. Like, it's just not doesn't compute for a lot of times. Some of the villages we went into, they thought we were the Russians. 
when I was over there, the State Department did a survey. 3% of Afghans knew what 9-11 was, and that was in 2012. Oh, wow. After we had been there for 11 years. They had no idea why we were there. Wow. 3% yeah. knew, knew that the United States had been attacked by an entity that was in Afghanistan. Yep. That's crazy. Yeah, it's almost like as if aliens are descending upon their country for that, That's basically what they thought. They're like, you know, there's just another invading army. They've been coming since the 12th century, so... <laughs> Wow. Which we'd do the same thing. You know, some some tanks rolled down Market Street out here. We'd be... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we'd, that, be, that, we'd be rolling out. Yeah. And, and I think... Uh, and that's why I try to explain to people who aren't from here is... You know, earlier we had a discussion on how to... You know, what's the most effective way to get communication out? Um, and Southern Ohio is a unique area... You know, call it Appalachia or, or whatever, but this this is a tribal society. Mm-hmm. Here in Soda County is a tribal society with you know, and there's break there's ethnic I don't say ethnic, but there's breakdowns within that tribal society. You know what I mean? Like there's people will still go to war over West Side versus Willersburg, and like, dude, you're in the same same county. We may. We make fun of that in economic development. And it's not, I mean, I'm from Minford. I hate everybody that goes to Wheelersburg and Valley. Roger, <laughs> got it. Um, you know, but, um, but you know, when you're talking to a business from out of town, they don't give a, nope, beep. I mean, no. you know what I mean? Like, they, they, don't, they don't care if, if you got a good high school football, football program. I mean, they want to know what you, they want to know what's your workforce within a 90-minute drive. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know that's how we got to think. That's that's why that's why we're involved with stuff. All you know, we're involved with Chillicothe on jointly marketing South Central Ohio. We're involved with Ashland on marketing the tri-state and Huntington and Airport because that's that's what businesses are looking for. Right. What's your what's your labor pool within a ninety minute drive of where you're at? Well, what does that look like? Um, for us, uh, we have horrific brain drain. Like on a on a regular eight and a half by eleven piece of paper, you can't you can't accurately statistically represent it. Hmm. Um, you get to be 22, 24 in a college degree, the flight is unholy. Um, we have a very aging population. Um, you know, and part of that is a lot of people kind of like what Dale was talking about. They, they want to move back here, you know, after they get done with their career. Um, and then part of that is, you know, you lose so many people, it starts skewing the numbers. You know, you don't have that middle, so the, the end keeps getting bigger. Um, but uh, we're above average in uh, two-year technical degree programs, which is a good thing, and uh, we are uh, well behind in uh, you know college education levels uh, when compared to the state and the nation. Mm-hmm. So, so you know that's that's the thing with economic development. You say you have all those utilities, then you got to look at what's your what can your workforce and what what fields do they go into and what what skill sets do we have. And the bad, bad news there is that, um, I'm just bringing all kinds of cheery news, the bad news there is that your primary metals, your chemical industries, your automotive, um, you know, the things that we've got here, you know, the big Kenworth plant, chemical plants, your Oscos, you know, your food manufacturing, your Belizeo Foods and General Mills and Jackson's, all of those are facing uh, negative growth indicators over the next 20 years because they're those lower skill manufacturing jobs that are either being, you know, automated or automated. Now, you know, if you go to the Kenworth facility in Chillicothe, they build the entire cab and not a human touches it. It's stamp, 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 TIG weld, TIG weld, TIG weld, pops out. Now, 
They've got 20 maintenance guys, though, that keep those machines running 24 hours mm-hmm. a day, seven days a week. So having the skill sets, instead of having 20 people welding something together, having the skill set to be the two guys that are engineers that program the computers and the 20 guys that keep the machines running, mm-hmm. those are the skill sets we need, um, which is... And how do we get those skill sets? Well, you know, funny you should ask, because a couple months ago, the Cider County Career Technical School just got a $724,000 grant to open up the first advanced manufacturing training facility south of I-71 in the state of Ohio. Wow. And it is under construction in Lucasville as we speak. And that, is that a state-funded initiative? Yeah, it's it's federal, federal money passed through the state, but it's going in, it's going in in the uh, industrial park there in Lucasville, the old M&J welding facility. So let's, let's get back to SOPA. What, what is the mission of SOPA? So, so SOPA is the Economic Development Office, and a lot of people think that means like, you know, I get a lot of questions about, is a new Arby's coming? Uh, I don't have any idea. That's not what we do. So what, what Economic Development is trying to do is... Uh, Cracker Barrel. Yeah, Cracker Barrel. <laughs> um, I just can't believe how much people around here love Cracker Barrel. It's insane. Mike Lautner hates Cracker Barrel. How can you... I don't like Cracker I don't Barrel. Like cracker barrel. No. I, don't, I don't like Cracker Barrel either. My, my uncle will drive 200 a- miles out of the way to go to one, and I... Yeah. Well, I mean, it, we but it goes one. to show, like, the corporate overlord Walmart, like, our people, whoever was in charge at that time, were like, this is the best idea ever. Yep. Let's sell our souls and give this to Walmart in lieu of a, a big-time factory company manufacturer coming to use the site to actually make, produce, and manufacture things here. Yeah. Yep. But those rollback prices. That's right. Well, but what we're trying to do is uh, we're trying retail, – retail will happen. Um, if you bring – If you create jobs. If you create jobs, retail will happen. Mm. It's just – It's a it, subset it, it's of a, a Darwinism. Big, right. Um, so what we try to do is we try to bring in entities that um, will generate wealth. And by wealth, I mean, so basically, you know, you think of Yoast, mean Yoast or, or Zumba compliance solutions. They're taking ideas and turning that into computer technology, and then they ship that technology out. It's exported so, from here. So, so in return for their ideas, capital comes back in, and then they pay their employees, and then their employees buy goods and services. You know, OSCO brings in raw materials, mixes them t- together, and then ships them out to the auto industry. So, you know, they pay for those raw materials. They do value-added, ship them out. Well, that value-added is what they pay their employees, and then they go out and spend money. So we try to, we try to bring those kind of jobs and those kind of entities in that will, you know, where we can capture that value-added, increase that wealth. You know, if you open, you know, right now, Minford's a good example. So if we open another pizza place in Minford, there's already like 12. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, That's true. So we'll have 13 pieces of pizza, right? There's only one slice. Now, we add 100 employees in Midford in a factory, well, then you're going to have more demand. And to meet that new demand, then if you open a new, it's a bigger pizza. And so instead of having a 12-inch pizza cut into you know, 13 slices. You have a 14 inch pizza. So then everybody's piece gets a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's what we're trying to do. But, um, you know, but so there are 4,000 other economic development entities in the United States trying to do the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. So it's highly competitive. So how, how do, how do you, like, what is your pitch? What, like, what, it, as far as, you know, ABC, Acme Corporations coming here or the, the bid for proposals out there or whatever, how do you guys get involved 
as far as trying to go find that fish and bring him here? Um, so three different things. So one, we try to really focus on business retention and expansion. So people that are already in Ohio, in Kentucky, and West Virginia now, try to get them to expand here because they're from here and they know us, or people with connections to the community. Two, um, we go out and try to go to marketing, trade shows, you know, trade shows and in industries that we're trying to attract. And really, that's just complete shot-in-the-dark happenstance. Mm-hmm. You know, you're hoping that you sit down at the restaurant next to a guy that knows somebody who knows somebody. I mean, that's just total fluke. Uh, but most of the projects, though, come in. We don't even know who the company is. We don't know where they're from. We don't know what they're doing. They ask us a series of questions on our infrastructure and our workforce. And if we pass those questions, we advance to the next stage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've been working on a $120 million company that I worked on the project for 18 months before I knew who the company was. Wow. Um, and even that project, it ended up being, the only way I knew about it is two of the people involved in the process are from Sayota County originally, and they texted me. Right. Or so I, I still wouldn't have known. Using that scenario, how, what was your relationship with PureCycle? How, how did that development work? Um, the guy that's running Pure Cycle used to be on the Port Authority board. And it's still on our mailing list. So that, that worked out pretty well. Um, the guy and what that, specifically did you guys do as, as SOPA to help Pure Cycle get you? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think that was, that, that was maybe a little bit of a unique project. So we've been doing everything from helping write to press release to... <laughs> try to stack and rack the financing but what the port authority what the port authority is designed to do is um so there's kind of two different things we can help small businesses we can help bigger manufacturing businesses to help the bigger manufacturing businesses what we're trying to do is make sure that we link them to the right sources so they know where to go to hire people uh try to set them up with you know if their project if the big thing they need is going to be a new sewer facility uh, going out and acquiring the federal and state grant money and the local regional grant money to make that sewer happen if that's the, the key driver. Because that's always a key. Every project has a key driver. Maybe it's they need a million gallons of sewer. Maybe it's they need a million computer engineers. Um, so trying to figure out how to link link that source. Um, and then the Port Authority can issue bonds on big enough projects um, wherein uh, basically... Basically, when you issue bonds for a development project, you're still getting a loan from a bank, but it basically passes through the Port Authority, so it lowers your, lowers your interest rate. So you're basically getting a loan from a government entity as a pass-through. So it takes a point, point and a half off your interest rate, and then we can issue a tax-exempt certificate, so all your construction materials are tax-exempt. So wow. on a $10 million project, normally $5 million are, te- you know, are uh is construction materials seven percent, so you're saving three hundred fifty thousand dollars on a ten million dollar project, roughly. Wow. So that, and then drop a point and a half off your interest rate, and you know you're really going. Um, so that's that's how we can help the bigger businesses. Really, just linking it with those resources. You know, Rokla in uh, Sayotaville, That's the big factory hidden <clears throat> back over behind Sayotaville, kind of by Highland Bend. Um, you know, we just got them. $500,000, to uh, build a new road in and out of their facility um, because their trucks kept running over everybody's mailboxes. So we, <laughs> they, they agreed to hire 10 new people, retain 40, and we got them almost $400,000 to build a new road that's more compatible for truck traffic. Wow. wow. So just stuff, stuff that way. And SOPA is a state entity? 
Yeah, we're created by the county commissioners, um, so we're an instrumentality of the state as, as our official legal title. Okay. So do you, do you report back to Columbus? or I report to everybody. I report to Columbus, the commissioners, my board, two or three different regional boards, the city, the village, everybody that donates money to us, because um, we are a, we're a, we're both, we're public and we're private, so we get private donations in addition to public, some public funds. And the private donations, I'm assuming, would be used for development projects and stuff for you. Yeah, so basically the public money covers mine and Adam's salary and everything else we do is funded privately because, you know, if I want to try to go recruit a business, you can't use public funds for those. So if I want to go, you know, you know, dock Spartan Manufacturing, I'd have, you know, if I want to take you out to dinner, that has to be paid for by private funds. Wow. Mm-hmm. And there's that many, there's that much private funds to... No, not really. Our biggest funding source is uh, for B and W that's tearing down the A plan gives us fifty thousand dollars a year. We'd be, we'd right. be, we'd be all done without those funds. Hmm. Interesting. So another myth buster might be that that this isn't the local mafia. Well, yes. I mean, you know, all of the rich families in Portsmouth have conspired. And I, my family would probably be one of them, I would guess. So maybe I'm coming at this from the elitist angle. But um, all the rich and historic families, especially Catholic families, um, have uh, conspired together for the last 50 years to keep business out of town and to keep development away. Um, we have meetings. They're the third Wednesday of the month. Oh, my gosh. At the KFC. We're in the, base, we're in the basement of the KFC. <laughs> We have to have a special hand word, hand, almost said, hand, handshake and word. And you have to wear the appropriate cape. It has to be the right color depending upon the tide. Um, I grew up here at people asking me if my dad was the mob boss. Would he not be the worst mob boss of all time? Oh he God, would be the best God. because he would be the worst. <laughs> yeah. If people wouldn't expect it. I don't under. I, I was, all I know is the first time I tried to date your sister, I had to kiss the ring. <laughs> I think that's more of a traditional uh, American <laughs> culture thing when it is. Uh, it, it, I, I've, I've never, I've never seen anything like it where it's just every, you know, the reason bad stuff happens or the reason good stuff happens isn't like there's not. I, maybe maybe there is. I, I don't. We are sitting in the crucifix <laughs> straight across from me, but you know, a lot of times if you just hard work and and planning and you know that that'll go a long way and i i don't know what happened in the city of portsmouth from or Scioto county from like 1965 to 2005 there's a 40-year gap there i don't i have an entire literally literally the community has an entire storage shed full of strategic plans that were never implemented really wow. for, for redevelopment redevelopment a second the abc america's best communities grant program that we did last year where we got our strategic plan and the entire country got to the final 10 of best community redevelopment strategic plans in the entire country. And it was basically an update of the 1954 city of Portsmouth strategic plan. Oh my God. So what happened? Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. I don't expect anyone to have the answer, but like, I, I don't know. You know, I've, I've heard everything from, um, I've heard everything from just, uh, just, panic of losing so many jobs to but you know to uh it, it's Vern Reif's fault because Vern Reif was here and no organic leaders like in the baby boomer generation really grew up with the right leadership skills because for anything to happen it had to go through Vern Reif's office so mm-hmm. if he didn't do it no one else knew how mm-hmm. um I mean I've heard all kinds of crazy but I, I don't think it's 
it, we didn't, as a community, didn't take the steps necessary to, to develop and evolve. It's not a, it's not the, you know, Glockner, you know, rich family, Neil Hatcher mafia. Conspiracy. It's conspiracy. It's not, you know, drugs. It's not God hates us. It's just. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. It's total bullshit. It's complete. Back to Cars, my favorite movie. Everybody, the reason that movie connected with so many people is because everybody's town, mm-hmm. downtown, and night in between World War II and the beginning of Vietnam, was awesome, right? And then low skill manufacturing went away, and we had to adapt. Mm-hmm. Some places did, and some places mm-hmm. didn't. Well, I think it's it, you know, everybody said throws around the term community, 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 um, as if it's this mysterious object you can't grab because it's too big mm-hmm. you know what I mean like a community is nothing more than four people right now sitting around a table all, um, all it takes is just all it takes to make a difference is one person yeah mm-hmm. and, and I think like if you you have to be able to sit back and not absorb all the bullshit floating around especially when it's negative uh, and, and I think you know this is just my own my own opinion but like you don't have to believe when somebody tells you you can do something, all all the decision you're making is to believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. Flip side of that is it's so powerful the other way. Oh yeah. You know if you're if you if you were brought up much like we were, and it's not intentionally, but we were brought up under the narrative as the best days are behind us. The factories are gone; they're not coming back. Oh, you should have seen it 20 years ago. Oh, you should like you should have seen downtown in 1975 or, mm-hmm. or whatever. Oh, when the plant was going at the at the heyday with the, you know, da 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 da. Well, subconsciously you're telling your children that they will never have the ability to produce anything better than that. Yep. And I think we it happened so f- long ago that we don't believe it anymore. A, a subsection of the population, you know, understands that you can, you can make a difference. Well, the other problem is is the brain drain. So if, if all your motivated people at work that that if all your you know, I I, I meet so many people that are college accountants and doctors, engineers, whatever. Like I just would love to be able to come back to Portsmouth and make a difference, but I can't because of my job. Mm-hmm. Well, if we had more opportunities for those people, yeah, then I think that changes the conversation too. You know what I mean? So it, I don't know. It's so what? What do we need to do? You know, not necessarily like from SOPA standpoint, but um, you know, we're talking to that twenty-three, twenty-four-year-old guy or girl who has an idea or want you know. They're not going to be the one to bring in the yep. 120,000 square foot manufacturing facility, um, you know, but what do we, what advice do we need to give them yeah, to so, reverse that tide? Yeah, so I mean, I, I mean, I think getting, in, being involved, so a couple different things, so if you're, if you're starting to start a business or something, uh, feel free to get a hold of Port Authority, we're on online, uh, send us an email because we can, um, that was one of the questions we talked about before this was, um, you know, if you're a small business out there getting started, one piece of advice I would have before you talk to a bank, before you talk to a real estate agent, um, get a business plan together, and we have the resources to help you do that for free. 
Okay. So that's a, that's a big help. So just get a hold of the Port Authority, follow us on Facebook, send us a message, whatever. Um, the other thing is I think just getting involved in the community because that's, that's the other thing. That's one of my two biggest pet peeves is people are about, oh, nothing good happens here. Nothing But what are you – I mean, there are, there are plenty of community organizations, you know, the same – 50 people were involved in the 5K, the bike race, the, the river walk, the river cleanup, the, you know, you know what I mean? Like, there are plenty of opportunities to get involved. There's von, every volunteer fire department in Saturday County needs more, needs more help. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So what can you do to go out and make a positive impact? Um, you know, just being involved, being in the know, educating yourself about what's going on. I think that's really how to fight the trolls. Yeah. You know, if somebody posts something on Facebook, I used to live in Portsmouth and I know it sucks and it's always going to suck. Well, don't 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 be afraid to tell them which way to fly the kite. <laughs> yeah. I do it regularly. <laughs> okay. So leave us with something positive that we can uh, that we well, can share. Well, so, yeah, I mean, you just think, I mean, you know, where are we going? Where is the town going? Can we be a lifestyle town? I th- I think so. I you know, my wife my wife was down um, my wife has to work in Columbus every day, but uh, you know, my wife was just talking about the change in the city of Portsmouth since um, since we started, you know, going out 15 years ago. I mean, you just you look at Second Street, whether it's you know Patties and Pints went in, whether it's the you know Doc Spartan, you got people out running around, being active, being out on the streets. Um, you know, we're spending a hundred thousand dollars to add the running path from Second Street down to down to Alexandria Point there. You know, you got the loft, you got expansion at Shawnee. Shawnee's getting ready to expand into downtown. We've got a hotel development project mm-hmm. under consideration for downtown Portsmouth. Um, you know, you look at all the buildings being rehabbed. We, in America's Best Communities last year, we just got the Brownfield Grant for $300,000. I mean, there's just, there's a lot of positive momentum right now. And I think it's just because, and this is, may sound kind of silly, but it's just, I think there's kind of a leadership change kind of going on. I think that, I think you're, you're... Generation X, or uh, what are they calling it the group now between Generation X and Millennial that I'm in? The Oregon Trail generation and your Millennial generation are kind of coming in and kind of maybe pushing some new ideas. So I think just keeping that positive momentum mm-hmm. going and just to sit and look at the community. I mean, Portsmouth Brewery, I mean, there's so many things that are different now than what they were 10 years ago, and it's all, for the most part, positive. So just keep that going. Yeah, start looking through the lens of how I can make things better mm-hmm. instead of, A, how I can not how I'm not going to complain about it. Stop resharing negative articles written by people who aren't from here. That's a good point. That's a very good point. If the person doesn't live in Portsmouth, I'm not sure I care what their opinion is on our drug problem. Right. So that's good. Solid solid point. Brother, thank you for cool. coming. Yeah, man. Thank yeah. you yeah. so much for being here. And I don't care what you say. Damn it's still the boogeyman. It's still the boogeyman. My freaking long John Silver's value mail. <laughs> Gonna go up, Hello. and I'm coming to your office to complain. To complain after I post an article to Facebook. Post a selfie, angry one. <laughs> well, the... Jason, we thank you so much for coming, Dale. In due time, you're maybe, very welcome, maybe Sadie. Your, maybe your here. mind will change. Um, we'll I'm very thankful. We'll invite you to the groundbreaking out of Midford. Yeah, <laughs> take yep. a picture. Oh, and before we go, tune in next week. Tim and I. You know, it's hard to believe Tim's going to take off on a trip, but we are we are leaving this Wednesday to go to the Extreme Ownership Muster in Austin, Texas, to uh, to listen and learn from 
Jocko Willink and, and Leif Babin and the crew from Extreme Ownership. Um, so it's a it's a two three day two or three day seminar, um, and we're gonna the next week's episode we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about all the lessons learned from that. So cool. um, if you've never heard that guy, just tune into the Jocko podcast. It's a and basically. Um, you know, we've been talking about how to fix problem, how to fix problem, but basically the first step is taking ownership of the problem. Amen. And uh, that's kind of his whole philosophy. So that's why we're heading out there to learn a little bit more about that. Um, so just want to kind of give you guys a little teaser for for next week. Great. Awesome. Hope you guys have a great time, and we hope you guys check us out on iTunes and Google Play. And if you like what you're hearing and you want to hear more, click that little button that says subscribe to the podcast. Um, shoot us a review or an email with any questions and we will be sure to get back to you with those we thank our viewer today for this question and again jason thank you so much thanks for having me all right guys we'll check you out next week thank you make a little Don't need no spotlight to shine on me What I got, I didn't get for free I broke my back and skinned my knees Working hard just to stay alive I don't need much, just enough to survive Make a dollar Trying to make a dollar